guys. could do it like the old Shadow Comics did. They uh, had volumes in the 40s. Uh, have... your, your math is wrong, because Batman is 75 now. Oh, I guess that could be worked, because he started in 25, so that gives plenty of time for Shadow to have been based on him. Well, the Shadow serials came before Batman, before <laughs> no. the comics. <laughs> no, no. Um, actually, the radio show. Uh, there, well, there was a radio show of Batman, and mm-hmm. that spawned into like, the novels and the comics. Mm-hmm. With Orson Welles, right? And then like it was at least like a decade or two it before was, Shadow like, really there was, came like, on the this scene. There was a really clear 15 to 20 year period where people were just sort of like taking in Batman. And then people realized how cool Batman was. Like, we got to get some more characters out here. But you know what like his this big problem is? Not enough red. Not enough guns. <laughs> Which is exactly what Janko thought today. <laughs> <laughs> and they're doing it again now with Savior, and it's great. Yes. I cannot wait to talk for just a minute today about Savior. got to get this podcast back on the rails. So welcome to a Perfectly Acceptable Comics Place podcast, episode 63, <laughs> Bellingham, Washington's premier comic book podcast. 2018. Written? 2018. Oh, oh, oh. The first oh, slash second Joe. podcast of the year. Right? Because we were I mean, the first official? Yeah. But that other one's going to get up this year before this one. Oh, it's year three. <laughs> year three. Number one. Point oh. I guess this is the third calendar year in which we've been <clears throat> producing podcasts. You know, iTunes lets us choose which season we're broadcasting, and I've just left that blank. But if we ever wanted to split it up into seasons... Dude, we made a huge deal about, like, (laughs) episode 53 or 54 about it being a new season. Yeah, except we said nothing on episode 52 or whatever it was. Yeah, Yeah, but we did make a big deal about a new season. Quite a big deal was made. But then then we kept on going with the original numbering. Right. So we we like well, Jenga, we've got these, falls this legacy you. numbering here. <laughs> okay, we got generations legacy numbering here. Oh jeez. Episode twelve of season two, episode sixty three of the running pod. But listen, we're ahead of ourselves. What we do we do here? We went out and here? picked up a bunch of comic books. We brought them back here. We sorted them and counted them and filed away for our subscribers. Then we ran away to our respective quiet places and engaged in a sort of. Uh, fictional tickling relationship with them in which they stimulated our creative spirit and our emotions and we then come back here to talk about that relationship we read them we read the book (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i thought they all the only thing they all tickled me emotionally a little bit differently um i'm jeff and i have perhaps a stranger relationship with tickling than other people I'm Django, and I can tickle myself. <laughs> um, I'm Brayden, and I can tickle me Elmo. Oh! <laughs> Damn, you're good. <laughs> I, I'm Colette, and I'm just having trouble with all the things coming to my mind right now. Just you're getting tickled. Well, <laughs> well, are you reading Colette? Listen, you guys, comic books. Here we are. Listen, there's going to be a spoiler. Um, if you're interested in uh, not having Batman and the Signal spoiled, or... Or uh, Planet of the Apes Ursus number one spoiled. <laughs> or Black Bolt. Or... Sorry. Or 
Batman 38. Or Phoenix Resurrection 2. Or uh, Rogue and Gambit number one, Marvel Legacy. Or Exit Stage Left, The Snagglepuss Chronicles. Listen, I'm sure that all came out a lot better auditorily than <laughs> the performance that really just went on in this room. So yeah, those books are going to get spoiled and probably some other ones. So here's your spoiler warning. Spoiler spoilers. warning. <laughs> By the way, there are spoilers. <laughs> Um, yeah. Colette, thanks for being here. Well, hey, thanks for having me. Um, listen, I know why you're here. <laughs> it's this Planet of the Apes book. I am <laughs> so excited about I mean, this Planet of the Apes. Like, it's been the only thing on my mind. For... That's why everyone came in today, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yep. we all know Brayden's relationship with Planet of the Apes, but mm-hmm. what is yours, Colette? Uh, mine is... Uh, um, uh, I've I've seen that clip of Charlton Heston screaming "No" on a beach, and mm-hmm. um, and I that's the second movie. I used to spoilers. I, that's the whole second movie. I might hmm, I might still know. I could sing all the songs from the Planet of the Apes musicals from the Simpsons episode. Uh-huh. But oh, they did that. So good. But I'm having trouble now. I don't know if I still can, which is making me depressed and feeling Something like I need to go watch the Simpsons. You'll never make a monkey out of me. Yeah. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Yeah, Dr. Um I, I had people coming in all day long asking for P of the A, and I didn't know what they meant. <laughs> this makes more sense this, now. Yeah. I'm sort of like a Planet of the Apes expert. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm glad Colette is here to back me up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we I'm here for experts. you. I just wish that yeah. either Django or Braden had read this book. Yeah. <laughs> well, lucky for you, I read the hell out of this book. <laughs> oh. Wait, have you seen these movies? Yeah, uh-huh. I, I, I would. Uh, I'm what some people would call an ape aficionado. Oh, you're I not have like an a, ape charlatan, are you? You're not somebody claiming to know a lot about apes. <laughs> oh no, I'm an ape char- charlatan Heston. <laughs> All right, good good job today, everybody. Let's go. Home. All right, Brayden hey, wins. Yep. Yeah. Um, you always do, you beautiful, beautiful ape. Uh, no, I have a uh, I have an Ursus action figure. Actually, it's my only Planet of the Apes action figure because it's the only one they had at Boo Radley's in Spokane. But I love that. I love that ape. Is he your favorite ape? Mm-hmm. I I. He's I, not even in the first movie. Or any of the, he's only in one of the movies, and it's maybe the worst one of the sequels, aside from that one, which is not even, we don't even count that one. Okay, but it is a sequel, right? It's nothing. It's garbage. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's hot garbage. <laughs> um, so that was all a very long-form goof. Braden, yeah. you're an expert on Planet of the Apes. We read this because, I read this because I knew you were excited about it. Tell me about this. Um, this book is... Written by David F. Walker and illustrated by Chris Mooneyham. David F. Walker, who's doing Luke Cage right now. That's some other cool stuff. Did he do some milestone books? Milestone books. Like from the DC Milestone universe? I have no, I don't know what that is. Okay. That's where Static Shock came from. WB Kids? <clears throat> nope. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they made this book. And what I one thing I really liked about it is the opening... Uh, page, very first page, is a scene directly from the first movie, which sets up the rest of the comic following the the movie as well, but from a completely different angle. Because in the movie, you're all seeing what happens to Charlton Heston, Taylor, seeing what happens from his perspective. And in this one, it's following that same timeline, but from one of his companions that he traveled with to the Planet of the Apes, 
Okay. And from the perspective of some of the apes, like Ursus, who didn't show up in the first movie. Listen, I've always thought that the first Planet of the Apes is really overrated, so I never watched it. Um, <laughs> so I'm just, like, really good at all the other ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but reading this, I gotta be honest, I can't carry this on anymore. I've only seen the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes movie. Oh. I don't know any of the other ones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 I, I guess I watched the first, I watched James Franco's Planet of the Apes. Um, Those are good. And the sequel, Pineapple Express. But, uh, <laughs> Pineapple Express. <laughs> Brayden, you're so damn good. Um, but so yeah, I didn't, that makes this whole thing make more sense. I guess the whole time I felt like I was supposed to know more than I did. Yeah, you were. This comic is for people who have seen the mo- the first movie and remember it and know what happened. Okay. So, I, if if you're not coming at it from that background, then I can't imagine it would do much for you. Well, I tell you what, it did do for me. Yeah, tell me. Um, this several panel dialogue. As General, he is entitled to a staff, but he chooses to live alone. This way, General Ursus does not have to let others see him as he is when he is alone. No sharing, no hiding. He can simply be Ursus. And I really liked that. So, like, that was page three or something? Yeah, that's that's more fleshing out for this character than, like, ever really been done before, as far as I know. I know there's been a lot of other Planet of the Apes comics that they even reference in here. But I don't know how much of them have focused on Ursus. As I read that, I was like, all right, I like this guy. I can see Brayden liking this guy. Now we're walking down this path together. And then I got just devastatingly lost on the next page. It was all a political discussion about just... I I was really not into it until about the final two pages again. Yeah, there's all this stuff about apes and humans who are dumb and can't speak now and they're just kind of like you know role reversal typical sci-fi nonsense so the eight the humans are like living out in the forest and like just eating up crops and stuff i've like got aping a, around yeah i've got a question mm-hmm. so no, david F, I don't know. f walker mm-hmm. also wrote nighthawk oh mm-hmm. um he wrote Luke Cage. He wrote Cyborg. He wrote A Convergence Crime Syndicate. The Army of Dr. Moreau. He wrote some Shaft books. Some really well-received Shaft books. They won yeah. a lot of awards. So, yeah. yeah. I think he did the Luke Cage Power Man series, too, that Marvel had mm-hmm. for a while. He did the uh, yep. um, Occupy Avengers. Oh, yeah? Which was not his title choice, apparently. That was a, a Marvel oh. insistence. He's like, oh, you want me to name it after something that happened a couple years ago? That's <laughs> yeah. kind of Finger a on the polls. dead event yeah that was weird yeah so he's got some chops yeah 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 he is cool stuff he's got that um what's it's a an aftershock book that, uh, aftershock book that's coming out right now too i can't remember the name of it it starts with an s that he's doing yeah yeah um it's like super something or whatever superb yeah that's it oh. it's supposed to be good i i missed number one when we got <laughs> it in but um i've heard good things and then he and um uh, the guy who did the um, Power Man and Iron Fist series with for art, whose name is escaping me right now, they've got a um, an image book coming out uh, in a couple months too that looks pretty good. That's, nice. I can't remember the name of right now either. Braden, um, let's let's. I mean, please go on if you. I mean, I know that you were excited about this book. I would give this one a six, but I, I not because I think it was poorly done, but I just like I. I think that there was yeah. a lot of stuff that I could have very easily done that would have increased my enjoyment of this book. Yeah. Um, and so that's not the book's fault. I, I I would give it an eight. I think an ape eight. Um, 
I think anyone... It's gold. It's gold. <laughs> I think anyone who's seen and enjoyed the original movie would enjoy this. It, um, it explores more of what happens to Taylor's companions, like, uh, like Dodge, who gets killed off pretty quick. Even, even though he dies, they still give him some more worthwhile time, which I thought was great. And then it ends with Landon, who in the movie we know gets lobotomized by so spoiler alert so spoilers <laughs> spoilers for a lot of look forward to that as well so this is going to be it's going to be a grim one but i'm, I don't I'm know excited I'll, I'll read the rest of it but i i would love to hear more about <laughs> oh no you're uh, you're going to read the rest of it so that's chris mooneyham who drew it right mm-hmm. uh, just flipping through it it looks a lot like kind of uh Simplified Sean Murphy. There's a really me. cool art shift that he does where the, yeah. it's clearly the all flashback. done on canvas. Yeah. The yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, but like um, the the faces and stuff mm-hmm. have that Sean Murphy. Oh, I agree. Cross hatching kind of. What else are we going to talk about? Oh, well, Django, listen. There was I can't a wait bit to talk a mis- about a comic. There was. I am so <laughs> sorry that I don't think you read this next one. Oh. And and the only reason that Braden and I pushed for reading it was because I thought that Colette. Really liked it because her Colette pick got put in the yeah. wrong spot this week. Wait, so it's not a Batman book? <laughs> there's plenty of Batman books ahead of us. Okay. Right now. There's plenty of Batman ahead of us. But right now, let's just take us. Who's counting? Three. Um, <laughs> let's let's just take a minute to talk about Black Bolt number nine. Oh, gosh. Um, I think this it. was my favorite book of the week, actually. This was uh, Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward, who yeah. was not on the last issue but returned for this one. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I think it's probably the best, like, uh, death of a character I've seen handled in comics for a while. Spoilers. I mean... Said it. <laughs> well, no, he, Cre- Cre- <laughs> Crusher Creel died a couple issues ago. Yeah, but I mean, uh, in the series. Yeah, the, the, the funeral, yeah, this yeah. issue was basically a funeral for Crusher mm-hmm. Creel. Um, there's, like, uh, there's that, like... After Civil War, death of Tony Stark, where it's Captain America sitting there talking. No, vice versa. Captain America di- er, died, and Tony Stark's talking to him. That was a really good mm-hmm. death issue. But this was, like, yeah, horrifically moving. Yeah, and I like, like I know Crusher's going to be back, like in a couple of years or so, probably, because like everybody needs to drag up an old villain every now and yeah, then. Yeah, you got to have those C-list villains around. But like, and you know, like he al- he's always been kind of a C-lister, and, like, mm-hmm. and it's. It was really nice to like see a character like that get his due and like. Isn't he the bad guy from uh, that Black Panther movie that's coming up? No, that's Claw. I think. Oh, okay. Or that that's Claw Claw is um, in the comic, but he's not the villain guy. Michael B. Jordan plays somebody else. Yeah. That I don't believe he's in it. Andy Serkis is Claw. Okay, not Crusher. Sorry, I get my C words confused. Um, (laughs) Claw's with the kid. This is the absorbing man. The oh, guy okay. With the big okay. Ball. Oh. Ball and chain. Yeah. oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. Which, and this yeah. was my pick of the week, apparently, but I didn't actually read it. I haven't read any of this series yet. <laughs> it's really good. Really so. I would say I, that it's no. not super, super common that an author jumps into comic books and, like, does super well with it. Yeah. And I think, like, the like the, a really recent big one was uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates doing Black Panther. And then, with much less fanfare, uh, Saladin took over Black Bolt and I think is, like really good at comic books like uh in terms of balancing words and page and art and expecting the artist to do a lot uh it's it, it never feels 
overly wordy. There's a couple times where you're like, eh, I don't think you needed to put that in there, but... Yeah, I, th- I think that probably a little more often than you, maybe, mm-hmm. especially some of the earlier issues. I think he's gotten better, but it's clearly intentional most of the time because you're working with a character who's mute, <clears throat> but sometimes there's, like, emotions and feelings he's describing in Black Bolt that you could probably just let the art describe yeah and that wasn't even like in this issue and yeah this, this, one this one's one not so much some real big old text sandwiches yeah um but uh captain america shows up because he's like oh man i heard something about a bunch of bad guys hanging out in a graveyard and he like sees black Bolt. he's like you're probably here for the same reason and this kid's like no man mm-hmm. this is this is our buddy, and the kid can show Captain America what happened. Yeah, which, boy, that's a really convenient power for it comics. Really it works with Especially uh, if you're Titania. hanging out with Black Bolt. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. It, but mean, if you were Black Bolt, wouldn't you want to keep someone like that around you whenever it's possible? It's such an awesome moment in this issue, because at one point the kid does that and shares a vision, and it, like cuts to like, and Black Bolt realized this is the second time today that this child had spoken for him. And then I love it. He's like, and Black Bolt isn't sure how he feels about that. Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really complex thing. Yeah. Having somebody speak for you. And it's like, it's clearly like useful for us, the readers, and for him in situations that blow up quickly. But also, it's like, is there like an amount of consent involved with that for her just like communicating for him yeah. like all the time? It's 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 weird and tricky, and I like that Black Bolt doesn't know how to feel about it. Can she lie with her power? Uh, she was actually, like, sharing her basically, like, inner eye with somebody. So, it, like, sharing an experience with him non-verbally. Okay. So, yeah, everyone's all like, what? Crusher's dead. And they, so she'll show them what happened a lot of times, and they'll be like, oh, shit. Mm. Shit went down. But there's these, like, little shots of Christian Ward drawing, like, Black Bolt's head and Captain America's head, and I Which, pretty just, similar heads. But pretty similar heads. Yeah. Masks. Tight masks, blue, but... Um, I don't know. I really like his figure drawing, and also like when Black Bolt's getting the crap beaten out of him at the beginning of this. Like it's some some nice jaws getting shattered and thrown around. Yeah, yeah I like the blur on that. The sunlight dappling through the trees on that page you were looking at was really beautiful. Yeah, it's a pretty cool cover too. It's a good cover. Like, I I was just like, it did a really good job of like making me feel. I almost teared up. I yeah, was, I got a little teary eyed. Um, like, the way Captain America is like, uh, well, is it cool with you if I hang out for the funeral? And his wife's like, you would do that? He's like, man, I know. I had my differences with Crusher, but, you know, he may have had a troubled life, but he died for other people. That's a hero's decision. Yeah, that like, was that was good. I, I like that they were able to bring some heroes and villains together. Like, even Thor shows up Yeah, to pay some respects as, like, a you know, for a fallen foe. Which I don't even know if he knew what happened with Crusher. He just came to yeah because he was a. Do we know how much farther Black Bolt's going to go? Is it limited or is it has it, it been canceled? It yet? didn't get it chopped like with the book. other diverse books. So yeah, and it it looks like it's gearing up for another arc with the way that this yeah, one ended. Certainly. So they they kind of forgot that uh, a mute person could be considered diverse. Yeah. Well, it's also non-verbal, by the way. Also, he's got <laughs> uh, <enough>. he's got. <laughs> Um, another book coming out he's got Exiles coming out and he's also got like an Aftershock or or a Boom book coming out Abbott right maybe that's the title yeah yeah but either way he's they're like hey you're doing good on this one book how do you handle four right (laughs) there's not a lot of middle ground so he's he's gearing up for some comic books in his future have you met Charles Soule 
He can give you some tips <laughs> and some Adderall. He's gotten better with the fewer books that he's done. Yeah, yeah. That's Charles always kind of my theory with Marvel when they put out a flurry of of a bunch of limited series about characters no one really cares about is like, oh, our bullpen's gotten small. Let's give some chances and see who can actually hack it at these crappy yeah. characters, and then we'll give Let's them everything some, else. Some Nighthawk and some Silver Sable and some Shang-Chi out there. A bunch of one-shots. Yeah. Oh, Black Bolt made the cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys give it? White male. I give it a nine. Uh, I would probably talk more about it if we had all read it, but I, I like this was my favorite issue this week, I think. The art is stunning by itself and the, the writing was like moving and there are definitely like criticisms criticisms in it I could point out but yeah I would, like it made me feel a lot god I gotta read this book you guys keep talking about how good it is and it <laughs> looks real boring to me but it but I trust you the, the issues are hit and miss the last one in my opinion wasn't as good as this one by kind of a long shot um, but like you all loved like one or two, and then the next time like we four or five talked or about it, it was yeah. four or five, and that was a huge hit. Yeah, and it keeps selling out, and some people I really like coming to the store and really love it. So yeah, I think I would give it uh, an eight. I don't think it moved me quite as much as yeah. you, but I've been kind of in a weird space with comics today. So yeah. maybe if I was uh, more hopeful. So of, you're aping the ape. Eight. Yeah. He's graping my apes. <laughs> I did buy some grape soda yesterday. Oh. I don't know if you saw my bottle I left on the file cabinet by accident. I did. I recycled it. Oh, good job. Actually, no, I threw it into the garbage. <laughs> Never mind. I don't recycle things. Hell no. We got another book up. Sure we do. Did I read it? Django. Did you read anything? <laughs> did you? I don't know. What did you do yesterday? I, I had a massage, and I thought I read a lot of comics. <laughs> did you get a massage wait, yesterday? Wait, wait, wait. Did you read comics... During the massage? Yeah. That seems like a waste yeah, of a massage to me. It's a massage chair. Oh. oh. So Those are it. a good place to... I read a yeah. full so, uh, scalp trade in a massage chair yeah. once. That was a, a wonderful hour of my life. The downside is that you can't get your arms massaged while it does it. And you're killing masseuse's careers. You know, yeah. I never really like <laughs> You're like the Marvel infinity of, of the <laughs> massage community. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't like masseuses. I don't like cabbies. So I use Uber. I don't like so many between a cabbie driver and an Uber driver. Uh, Other than one know. that has rights just and one hanging is out, just... waiting for you to ask him to do something. Okay, the other okay. has a life that they're living and then leaves it to go pick you up. <laughs> oh my gosh, cabbie drivers don't have a life. I mean, I, if I was trying to create a fun and colorful argument <laughs> to support Django, that's what I would say. Yeah. Listen, I don't. I don't like uh, people who work for the phone company, so I have a cell phone. They were it's the guys on the lines. Phone. Fuck them. You know what? I have a hard okay. time with my phones. Is I have a really hard time <laughs> getting a good signal. Um, oh, you should talk to Batman about that. And I heard he's signal. got signal. He's got bat caves going around. I don't know if everybody's noticed, but in the last three or four weeks, I've gotten fucking good at segways. <laughs> oh man! <gasps> oh, I thought it was Sejuis. It's that. Okay. It's French. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is Batman and the Signal, number one of three, with the story by Scott Snyder and Tony Patrick. Uh, Tony Patrick is also credited as the writer. Uh, Coley Hammer, Hamner is the artist, and Laura Martin is a colorist. Um, so Page the one, Signal... Panel one, we are looking out the Signal's visor, and that is a restrictive view. Like, that guy is not... Yeah. 
Oh, that's what that happy. is. Happy. Or maybe it's not, actually, because I guess he's got little eye holes. No, we're looking at the reflection of his symbol on his chest, I think. Because I don't think uh, his visor yeah. is the shape of a bat. And he's not wearing yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. Scene. You're right. That's exactly what it is. You're right. So apparently he's got a bright and shiny visor because he's... Day man. <laughs> <laughs> Fighter of the Batman. <laughs> um, so there's a character who showed up in Scott Snyder's New 52 run as uh, kind of a tech, tech kid whose parents got poisoned by the Joker, I believe. And he stuck around into Rebirth with the same story. Um, and they've been trying to do something with him, but definitely not Robin. They keep saying, I'm doing something different. I mean, they've been like keeping him around because Scott Snyder introduced him. But I feel like they've been waiting for Scott to be like, okay, now he's a hero or something. I, I, I kind of like his powers. I just wish what they had explained they? them a bit better. Yeah. Um, especially for like a first issue where he's using them and trying to use them and it's like they're not working for some reason uh, it's it, it was weird i was glad did you did you skim this one i got the first three pages in mm. before we started recording yeah oh um, yeah i uh i meant to read this one today and it ended up i have i feel like i have like the worst luck in figuring out what I need to read before we well, also do thanks one of these, for but... like showing up for the podcast kind of last minute because Roman wasn't able to make it. I was and, really and... glad I actually had some time to read yeah, some comics yeah. in the last twenty four hours so that I could say yes. But yeah, I don't know. I uh, I was not overly enthralled by the first three pages, but <laughs> also it was that kind of like I don't know if I don't get this because I haven't read any of the stuff with him yeah. leading up to this my batman stuff i tend to read in clumps like i'm reading waiting to read metal all at once kind of thing so i just i it, just don't know what's going on it made me feel like i had to have read all the previous issues with duke in them but i also don't think there was that many that led up to this really it doesn't feel like there has been he's it's been going it. since like volume four of the new 52 of batman's run. yeah like but he's years. just kind of been around yeah like, I agree. he hasn't been we haven't like seen him train with batman or like i know well, he's like you trained so well so have a have a hatch now we did in the backup stories for all of the uh, mm. all-star batmans and mm. i know I, I think i'm oh, the only one that was reading yeah, those that's right they i read the really first good. one and yeah didn't care i i really okay. like those i like the mysteries that they set up i liked the the history with duke I th- um i just i think that they've kind of fucked this book up what I expect the new DC heroes to be like, the the guys that are coming out of metal, like sideways. And I think this, I think out of those seven or eight books, we're going to end up with, I don't know, like two that are good. I'm optimistic about mm-hmm. Terrifics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the other one's going to be a surprise. I have to, to look all at the us. creative team. I bet. I plan Maybe. to read the first issue of all of them. Yeah, I definitely will. Maybe even the second issue. Immortal Men could be interesting. Sideways, nope. Terrifics. The new Challengers looks pretty rad. So what did I like about this Batman and the Signal? I would say I liked the art pretty well. I think there were a couple kind of confusing things that happened. Leading with that reflection was not okay. Um, especially since it's not... I don't think it works... It's his chest. As a reflection. I think Braden. No, yeah. It's the reflection yeah. of the emblem on his chest. Yeah. Um, and I did I did like his hideout a little bit. I really like his uh, car. 
or his motorcycle that Batman gave him. And I thought that the stuff with Gordon was pretty solid. Gordon. Well, I like I like me a Gordon with a young man's mustache. <laughs> Um, I kind of like the uh, the char- the villains at the end. Like we got this kind of cyborg looking girl and this pink hair colors, and this dial guy who I don't know anything about. But I don't know. I'm almost interested in them enough to want to keep going. Oh, I'll read it. I bet. I bet it. I bet it could pull out of this subpar opening. Like I, I don't want to say it was bad. I just didn't really care about it. Gosh, I give Batman a signal of five. I give it a six and five. <laughs> <laughs> it looks scared. <laughs> um, it was fine. Um, I'll, I'll probably read more, but I wasn't super pumped about it. I'll, I'll finish three. Colette, perfect ten? I, I will give the three pages that I read a, a 5.5. I, I will I will okay. read it some weekend when I'm sitting around reading all of metal and all the tie-ins. I will read all of it. Well, here's here's a Batman book that maybe we all read. Snagglepuss. Snagglepuss. <laughs> Snagglebat. Oh, you got the the crotch oh, cover. Oh, you got the pretty cover. I mean, not that Tim Sale's not pretty. Tim Sale is fine. Yeah, he, they I wasn't super jacked out on this the a- Tim Sale cover. Yeah, I really think it was a mistake to make this the A cover. Yeah. Although I guess at least it has a little bit more to do with the story than Crotch Rocket does. Mm-hmm. So yeah. listen, this has two covers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this issue has uh, one cover that Tim Sale drew that's basically Batman protecting a little kid with Mr. Zaz and Two-Face above him. Is that his name Mr. Zaz? Yeah, Z-A-Z. I think he usually just goes by Zaz, doesn't he? Mr. Zaz. Mr. Zaz sounds like Mr. Freeze yeah, it does. But yeah, he was but... he was Mr. Zaz originally. Okay. I think, yeah. I think it took a few issues to even say that his name was Victor. Wait, Victor Zaz? Isn't it Victor? Isn't it? Isn't it Victor as soon Freeze? As you said that. I I think that you're right, huh. and you're definitely right. Yeah. I I think it's Victor Zaz, and and yeah, Victor Fries. That's very silly, Marvel. I'm banging the table, <laughs> DC. The other cover has Batman sitting on a motorcycle with his hips thrust forward at. Uh, uh, Jingle, at me. It's how it's directed it's how at me, and I love it. <laughs> no, I just got the the dick cover. I think you meant to take the other one and would turn you like this to trade? And, I, and Ty wasn't. This is that was. Oh, I did what I wanted. Okay, we'll I wanted out. the dick cover. Give me the dick no, no. Cover. It's just it's the hmm. best cover. God, I I'm the sorry. Dick this cover. sucks. I'm just getting off tangent. I love being around my friends. Um... <laughs> Batman 38, uh, Django, you ordered a couple extra copies of this issue kind of at the last minute. I think I bumped it up by six or ten. Thank goodness. I think eight. Mm-hmm. I, think eight? I, think you, I yeah, think you ordered eight sure. extra ones of this, and thank sure. goodness because we sold out. Why did you do that? What I, was this? I heard that it was going to be the introduction of a new supervillain or a new major character, and uh, it mm. turns out that it is the introduction of a new character. I hope this, this kid isn't like the new villain or something because I think... It seems more like a one-off than... So did Kite Man. Like, Kite Man seemed like a one-panel guy, and he ended up being the crux of the whole thing. I absolutely think I this mean, kid's coming back. Yeah, yeah, but I mean... I hope I th- he does, but in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought, not right? Like month. I thought Batman Tim Drake was going to be gone for a while, and here he is again. But I would say that I, <laughs> of the 38 issues, I don't think that Tom King has wasted a single one. I think that they've mm. all existed for a reason if even if they didn't make sense at the time then it came back and paid off yeah even if you look like the rooftops like i mean I guess yeah. The, but yeah yeah i don't know if uh 
this particular character slash villain kid is going to pay off, but I think the effects he's had on Bruce in this issue is definitely going to play out more. So basically, uh, it opens with a juxtaposition of Whoa. Bruce hanging out and this little kid talking uh, and, and showing the kid coming home to find with his butler. This little rich kid comes home with his butler to find his parents dead in the kitchen, and he's having a conversation with Bruce. And uh, then the as as the story goes, uh, Bruce as Batman starts finding more and more dead couples. Parents. And uh, yeah, are they are, they're all parents? Mm, and maybe, it yeah. looks like um, it looks like it's Victor Zaz. Mr. That's Zaz. Like two pages in that they think that it's Zaz, right? It was yeah. like really fast they're doing. Yeah. And then it turns out that, that there's no way it was. So then Batman decodes uh, uh, backwards code that points to Denny O'Neill Avenue and makes that makes him think that it's Two-Face somehow. Uh, and turns out it is not Two-Face, and it was that little kid all along. And I don't know exactly why Batman thought necessarily it was the villains that he did think it, like... Because they were his, they were those villains' M.O.s, typically. Well, yeah, and Zaz immediately cut himself, and they were right, watching him. So that, I, but why was the Two-Face one supposedly Two-Face, and then why did he so quickly think it was not Two-Face? Some of the things were adding up to twos, and like it was like that thing that was two, 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 two. It was yeah. like, okay, maybe Two-Face? And then like he probably told Jim that, but... Very quickly realized that was probably not the case. He thought he thought it was Two Face because two of the bodies were arranged like clocks to point right. to eleven, and so it was eleven, eleven twice, which is two, 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 two. Yeah, it, like it's it's all a stretch, but so is Two Face all the time. Well, and then he realizes that that's an eight instead of a, you know, unless this kid is well, a three, an absolute level. brilliant mastermind. Which is, I mean, it sounds like he's he's smart, but you know, he's slipping up every time a little bit. Yeah, he's also just a little boy. Just a little and then boy. It, it turns out in the end when he uh, when when Batman finally catches up with him, the kid is just batshit insane, and he's carved Thomas and Martha into his cheeks, and is uh, he like he scratched off his parents' names on their tombstones and wrote Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne. He's trying to be like Bruce Wayne, but he doesn't realize that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah, yeah. and there's that first bit in the front of the comic where. He's got his butler referring to him as Master Wayne, and yeah. I well, felt like Master Bruce or yeah. Master Bruce, Bruce. Thank you. Um, and it was like I get once I read more of it, I got what was going on. Maybe it's because I sat in the stairwell and <laughs> Michael Jackson was playing while I was trying to read this right before we did the podcast. Jeff's but, playlist, by the way. Yeah, it's a good playlist, but it's not. It doesn't coincide with uh, Tom King Batman so well. No, um, depends on the issue. But I just kept, <laughs> I kept feeling like I, I was missing what was going on in between things, and I was just trying to figure out like who's talking and what's going on. And I think I missed a little bit of the lead up. Yeah, they were the kind last of rushing little, through the case. Yeah, the last little bit when it actually like, because I mean, I a page before. When he was like, "Oh, it's Two Face" and everything, it's like it's not Two Face. It's too quick. It's this is mm-hmm. a weird thing. And like, it, you it got a creepy really kid case. that wants to be called Master Bruce. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I always assume that it's the weird creepy kid because kids creep me out. But yeah. um, 
I just felt like it was jumping ahead every so often, and I really wanted to like it. And there were moments I thought was were really good, I like, but I I felt like I needed a panel in between. You know, when you yeah. needed to read this was alone at eight thirty in the morning <laughs> in a locked comic shop in the dark. That yeah. sounds about fantastic. About an hour and a half before you were going to open the yeah. shop. I tried I read to read it in our well. image. <laughs> uh, no, no, I I afford myself. An, I, the reason I show up here so excessi- excessively early is that I make sure I have enough time to read one comic in the dark alone in front of the new week's books. And if I don't do that, I get really bummed out. But I I make sure I get to do that every week. I want to call you a pervert right now, but I don't think that's appropriate. It's also, I, I read Batman this week because I hadn't gotten to it and realized I needed to. I like it. I tried to read it in our uh, Image and Vertigo nook, which is probably my favorite mm. little hidey hole in the store. Mm. But then I realized we were still open and I was sitting <laughs> on the floor reading a comic in the middle of a sale, an oh, area to make sales. Yeah, so. Are you working or are you just stealing? <laughs> yeah. um, I, oh, go ahead. I feel, I feel like I picked up on the pace that they were going for pretty quickly, which I think helps me get through it. Like I got, and right from the beginning, like you see the kid and like by the second time you see a panel or a page with the kid on it going, talking to Bruce Wayne, it's like, okay, this kid's behind this. Like I, I, I was getting that pretty quickly. And I think that's why they were kind of rushing through the case because it wasn't, it was just trying to get to that point, that realization. That I this stuff could have been happened. three issues. Really, I think I think that they could have stretched this out and let it breathe, and given us an issue where you think it's Two Face, an issue where you think it's mm-hmm. Zaz, and then hush it up. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. I, I think that that would have worked just as well as this. I don't think that this didn't work by any means. I think that this was a very well done, super compressed. I think it, story. yeah, maybe takes a little more work to compress your brain into what it's trying to do but yeah and that's something that tom king has done a couple of times where you, you finish a book and you're like whoa a lot happened there yeah and i wasn't ready for this and yeah and i i didn't i wasn't super invested in the stuff that was going on because it felt kind of rushed but mm-hmm. like i felt like the that last panel was a a pretty big payoff that i like almost teared up at I wanted that kid's scars to be right next to his mouth. <laughs> I, yeah. I did like this book a lot. I think like the art was awesome, and I've been loving Tom King's writing. Um, art by... Is it Mikhail Janin did this one? No, it's, uh, okay. Travis Moore Oh, with Julia, Julia Brusco on colors. This is at least the third time that Bruce has had to like take on... Like, Help a kid who's like both of his parents were murdered. At least the third. I mean, in well, Tom King's run? No, no, no. Just like in Batman. Sure. Like, and I guess like I really like all of it, and I think it's gonna pay off awesome. Like I'm totally sold on Tom King, but this is an element that's like Azarello did this over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Like it's just happening right now in Creature of the Night. Uh, happened to Tim. Happened to Jason. It's just like. It seems like a, it's a little bit on the nose, like, oh, what does Batman do when he sees a child go through the same thing that he did? And I don't know. It, I, but what does Batman do when he sees a child do to himself what he did or what he went through? I think that's That's the, kind of a twist. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of on the nose, but it's also at least a little different. I it, it is, It's a little different, but it, I, yeah, I guess I'm just sort of... Uh, on a broader level, yeah, there's definitely more nuance than that. Um, but yeah, like just on the broad, like Broken City by Azarello, like with Rousseau, was the same s- story. And what ultimately happened is different. But it just seems like a really obvious, like, well, Batman is a kid whose life was ruined and he went to fix himself. Mm-hmm. But what if he's failing kids and this is still happening? Then what? And you're like, yeah, 
that conversation again. Yeah. I don't know. I got more into the uh, like introspective of Batman and what he's about because those, those last two panels were Batman says you're a sick kid with dead parents and the kid <laughs> says well yes but what else is Bruce Wayne and that kind of really like oh god like it made me feel like Bruce asking himself that was a really hard question like I mean he's Batman but like what else is Batman even that yeah and I don't know I, that that kind of stuck with me and made me feel bad for Batman. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of feel like I guess I need to reread it, but I feel like Azarello's Broken City run was that was kind of what that was. Okay. I read so, that in Spokane. What do you give it? Um 8.5. Love it. I mean like that that I mean like I, I point out like weird like eh it felt so like it feels a little like it's already been tread, but like yeah, I love it. I love when a Batman story is like pretty violent as well there's like really brutal shots mm. in here of like bodies um it was yucky and even <laughs> I, I guess i'm just talking about like my knee-jerk response was that it felt familiar but i i absolutely trust that he's gonna do something interesting with it and i love that this is just sort of put in the middle of that super friends arc and yeah. it sort of counters what we were talking about of just like i hope that it's not nothing but wonderful relationship stuff so i get tired of it uh i'm gonna give it a seven and a half <laughs> and i can't really tell you why it's the mustache Mm, it's that the kid didn't disfigure himself in the way I wanted him to. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what did you want him to? I wanted him to like write Thomas and Martha next to his lips instead of under his eyes. Or if it was going to be under his eyes, that it would be just like big gross Frankenstein stitch marks. Because I actually saw the last page for just a brief second before I read the comic. And I thought that it was... Like gross stitch scars going across. Well, it's no wonder you picked up the plot right at the beginning if you looked at the first, uh, the last page. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Batman versus Superman kind of ruined the fact that Bruce's mom's name is Martha. Martha. Yeah, like I, yeah. I yeah. really like couldn't not hear them Martha. yelling together, Martha, at this I, child's face. I just can't wait till they get Martha boxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. this is. I, I, I guess it's a really good Batman one-shot, and most of the time, I don't love Batman one-shots as much as I like a uh, slightly longer-form Batman story. Mm. Uh, I give it an eight. I, it didn't blow me away, but that, that last uh, couple pages kind of hit me in a weird way that I don't know if, if it was what they intended or if it was uh, received the same way by other people, but... It got me, and that's all that I care about. Hell yeah. I think I do a seven with the caveat that if I'd had a chance to really pay attention to it, it probably would have gotten a higher rating. Um, and then I'd, I'd give that variant motorcycle cover oh. a 10 for sure. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I'm excited to see more eventually with that kid. I, I love a screwed up creepy kid villain. <laughs> and I yeah, I definitely want to know where that's, that's going and everything. I think that's going to be awesome. I hope he's... Yeah, I guess it was weird that it was a kid against Bruce roping Batman in and becoming a Batman villain, thinking he's becoming Bruce's villain. Like, he didn't know that it, that Bruce is Batman. I, I don't know. It. That's a smart kid. I'm going to trust Tom be. King yeah. to not fuck this up. I don't trust whoever takes this kid over in another story yeah. not to fuck mm-hmm. this up. I don't expect Tom King to do anything more with this kid. I expect really? someone else to bring this kid back and fuck it up. I'll bet you $10 he does. I, I bet within the next 10 issues he does. Yeah, he does like... 
I don't know. I don't know. It, it seems like I don't want to say throwaway, but like kind of just a one-use villain for this. So Joel Jones can draw the next two issues. Maybe I would love that. <laughs> what do you what 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 what, what do you get what what time is it what time what uh half past the monkey's ass and quarter to his balls it's it's time to get your fucking guns out uh, guns yeah. out your buckshot <laughs> guns <laughs> Django unzip for that there's eyeballs in him I was trying to get my buck my my guns out oh now I gotta take oh, it all off now oh I got some guns hey can these oh. guys Jeff can they can they hear this. You guys just saw it. You, you missed his his marine anchor. Just like grew three sizes that day. Oh gosh, it was very Grinch. Still didn't Christmas. even need spinach. I wasn't even flexing. <laughs> we still lifted the whole damn planet. Do you even lift planets? <laughs> Who wants to start the buckshot round this week? Oh gosh, what do I even buckshot? I'll go if if anybody. Else doesn't want oh, to get going. Please do. Please All do. Right. Uh, well, Colette Panketh Smith, you have got one <laughs> and one half minute on the clock. Do you know that there's actually a group of people named Penketh that changed their name from Smith because it was boring to Penketh because they'd visited the town in England once? I just really like Mission that you chose a hyphen it. <laughs> <laughs> My um, last name's not Smith, people. <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Not even Gardner, which should be my married name, but when you've got a cool name like Penketh, it sticks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Minute and a half, go. All right, so I read Batman White Knight by Sean Gordon Murphy, or I guess he dropped the Gordon recently, uh, which is sad because he's writing about Gordon a lot of the time in this issue. (laughs) Uh, Gordon with his awesome mustache rocking it. White Uh, mustache. Oh, and Harvey. uh, This continues to be one of my absolute favorite books. Uh, If it weren't for Snagglepuss this week, I would have picked this up first, which says a lot in my my reading. Uh, This one delved more into Suicide Harley slash Neo Joker's origin, which was better than I was expecting. Um, I really liked it. She's... uh, she goes into how she was just working at a bank and was broken and uh, Joker managed to come in on the day that she was trying to kill herself and she just went along with it. And, <laughs> and it was a much more interesting origin than I was expecting for her. And uh, yeah, this just continues to be an awesome book. I, I wouldn't say it's particularly one of the best issues of it, but... um I mean, it would have been the best issue if they hadn't made Murphy censor Harley's boobies with the word bubbles, but, and you know. Napier's butt. Yeah, and Napier's butt. Yeah, that, that was this issue? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but all in all, it continues to be just as good as the rest of the series, and I really love where this is going and how many changes. Oh, he's making, but they are never expected ones to me. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, I... I was stunned, like, at how much I loved his nude figure drawing. Mm -hmm. He does, like, technological cities so well. He does vehicles so well. He does costume people so well. But he also does, like, fleshy, squishy, like, bodies. Yeah. Right. The first stuff I ever read with him doing the arc was Chrononauts and then Tokyo Ghost, which both have a lot of nudity in them. And he's like, this dude does good nudes. He does Just like that two pages is great. like really sexy. Mm-hmm. He he knows a body and how to and and not just in the way that I'm I'm gonna stop. 
No, no, no. Like, <laughs> that title like, hardly isn't yeah. just like a, no. hey, here's yeah. a super hot, like it's uh-huh. like it's like a human yeah. being. It's, it's like art. why I it's... love Terry Moore's art. Yeah. Um, I also didn't know that he recently dropped the Gordon. Yeah, I, just Bummer. this series, I've been noticing it on there. You're and right. I keep, I, I realized my year end, I would kept calling him Sean Gordon Murphy. And I'm like, oh, that's right. He's I don't not... think he had it in the beginning either. Yeah. I think he added it at so, like some point around Chrononauts. I think... I think that he added the Gordon to it his name. It was definitely Gordon for Punk Rock Jesus. He was definitely SGM for that. But okay. that was only like mm-hmm. a year and a half before. Or maybe I think he was had the Gordon for that Batman run he did before, too. I might be wrong. <clears throat> I guess that puts me up next. Jeff? Yeah. Okay, well, just don't just start me. Like, ease me into it. Okay, gonna... Jeff, one, two, three, go. Oh, God. Superman, uh, 38, by the same team that have been doing the Super Sons of Tomorrow arc this is volume this is number four i'm still reading this um <laughs> savior is in this there are things that happen this was largely kind of a, the most in-between issue the coolest part was that savior gets taken into like the the bleed space and it's all pages from old comics and he sacrifices himself at the end and it's zero point infinite number of pages i don't have time for that django um <laughs> next is astonishing x-men number seven by soul and noto this is the most important issue of the series so far, I think, that they brought, like, Xavier back in Phantom X's body. Um, he's just basically going around giving gifts to everybody, but it seems really, really shady. He gives a gift to Archangel, which is that he can now have Archangel's power, but he's no longer encumbered by the darkness that is him. Um, but he's kind of a dick in that way that, like, Charles Xavier is kind of an oh. asshole. So I actually like that about him. But um, there's a, a lot of big stuff happens in here, but ultimately uh, it turns out that Proteus came back with him from the Shadow King realm where he took over Phantom X's body. And then I also want to talk about Captain America 697, Somni, and Wade. Um, weakest of the three so far. This is actually like, the most rushed Somni's art has looked, so it's still gorgeous and it's still Chris Somni, but uh, it's it's quicker... Um, yeah, I was just a fraction disappointed in it, uh, but it was good, and Craven the Hunter's cool, but talking to Braden, it seems like they've really undone some of his characterization that's been done, like, particularly in Unbeatable Squirrel Girl? Yeah. Yeah, he's just kind of back to being a jerk here, and I, and I liked it, just in casually reading it, it seemed that he was no longer there, but they queuing up this whole... I'll ease you out, too. Yeah, just take me out of that. Yeah, um, space I was in. Noto's been drawing this issue and the previous one of us. He didn't even do the previous one. And this I said, is his first. Uh... Yeah, and this—that's worth mentioning. This is the most like rushed Noto art I've ever seen. Oh, um, mm. it was oh, more past. <laughs> it was more pastel and pleasing in his Inhumans run recently. But he's a guy who got started doing covers, and his mm. covers are gorgeous. And uh, Inhumans was pretty nice. And this is. This is nice, but it's much clo- just much more middle of the road art. Like it's a lot less of what made him special. Um, I give um, that first book that I talked about uh, a five point five. I'm still reading that. What? Um, is, is it a definitive end to no, Savior? No, there's one more. But to Savior? No, it's not definitive. Like he sacrifices himself and then gets. Sort of swallowed up. There is a final issue to this, so it, it doesn't really feel like everything is. We do have another yet. a new neon sign coming in for the store of his uh, symbol. Though. I oh, do love good. that belt. Good. Yeah. Um, and astonishing X Men uh, Seven, I would give a seven, and Captain America Six Ninety Seven, I would give a seven point five. Weakest of the three, still a really good comic. Yeah, I do really like how they're uh, doing Craven and Squirrel Girl right now, but also I think Squirrel Girl, admittedly, like self-admittedly kind of distances itself from the rest of the Marvel Universe. And more power to that type of business. I support that endlessly. Uh, Jagogo Bobobo. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to talk about if I were to give you a minute 30? Now. 
Oh, my God. I would talk about Batman White Knight by Sean, not Gordon Murphy with Matt Hollingsworth. It's number four. Uh, Copycat. I, I didn't realize that this was a retelling or a telling of the second Harley Quinn's origin. Like, that didn't quite register for me. But now that Colette pointed it out, I really liked it. Uh, I wasn't clear on whether when they were making out at the bar, whether Joker was stroking her hair or holding her head down or pulling her hair, pulling her hair like that was a little bit uncomfortable. But what stood out to me in this issue was the um, the thing that that Joker says to Gordon where he's like, hey, take all this money that you guys have been using to rebuild Gotham and like after Batman's bullshit and use it. To make your police force stronger. I thought that was really cool and really smart. And of course, Batman hates that idea. Um, but that was that was a, an angle that I'd never thought of for something like that. I also read Rock Candy Mountain number seven, one issue before the end. It's subtitled The Jungle Fires Were Burning, and I had to think hard to remember that that's actually part of the song. <laughs> Kyle Starks, Chris Schweitzer. Uh, this is kind of a heist episode. They're trying to get the spirit back from a place, and uh, the main character finally finds where Rock Candy Mountain probably is, but he also runs into the devil. Uh, lots of hobo violence and some, uh, like, hammered-up heads. Uh, it's still really good, but I think maybe my least favorite issue of the series. So hopefully the last issue ties it all up real good. God, I'm glad to hear that that's not the last issue, because I thought that it was. Um, I did, too. I... I'm loving this series. It's one of my favorites coming out right now. I don't really know or care much about this whole Spear of Destiny angle that's happening with it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a MacGuffin, and that's that's just, fine, but it's obviously important enough to him to... Is the devil after this spear? I think they both are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I would give this Rock Candy Mountain probably uh, eh, somewhere between a 7.5 and, and an 8, and uh, I would give Batman White Knight a solid 8 also. Colette, did we get a number score for your White Knight? We did not. Uh, I would go 8.5. Mm. Would have been a 10 if there had been boobies. <laughs> Brayden, are you are you ready for a buckshot round? Josh, I don't think so, but um, here it comes anyway. I bet. Oh. <coughs> All right, I've, I've cocked the gun. I've looked at the... Everything seems to be going according to plan. Brayden Smith, on the clock. Go. <laughs> Uh, Scales and Scoundrels, number five. This is that uh, that image book that's got a very uh, fantasy kind of D&D vibe to it. Looks like boom. Yeah, it looks it looks a pretty boomy. It's, uh, it's an all-ages book, although this one gets a little bloody. And someone gets stabbed in the eye, which was cool, but also like, ooh, hey, kids. <laughs> but I was... I, I wasn't sure about the first issue, like, and it's but it's really picked up since then. And these characters are cool, and I want to see what happens to them. And the art is very fun and colorful. And I needed that after reading some grim books this week, so it was nice. I it looks like it's heading toward an ending pretty quick. I'm wondering if they're gonna keep it ongoing or what. But it's a cool fantasy dragon tale. Of treasure and exploration that i think is just fun i think just about anybody can enjoy it of age range uh that was cool i read paper girls this week as well number 19 i i, I enjoyed this book every time i read it uh, it does feel like it's unclear where it's heading like i i don't know if there's an end point in sight and there are 19 issues in and it's it's good but you know saga like one of Brian's other books, like 
it feels like there's breathing room in between arcs. Like time passes outside of the issues, and that is something that just doesn't happen here. Uh, so my friend, what do you give them? Eight and an eight. He's got a theme tonight. I don't know if you uh, noticed. Shows? He's given everything an eight. Uh, seven for scales and schedules. Eight point seven point five for paper girls. Okay. Do you do not that just, just to spite not me, just motherfucker? Because you, no, I was thinking about it myself before you said that. Uh, so, Brayden, is scales and scoundrels an all ages comic, or um, how how low can you go in the age of a kid that can read that comic? Um, I would be, I would say, a lenient parent of a six year old could okay. recommend this book to their kid. All right. You guys, you Star guys. Wars came out this week. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> um, the movie, right? No? There is at some point. Yeah, okay. Well, sorry. I was trying to get one of those golden figly segues that we've been rocking lately. Oh, the figly yeah. seg. Yeah, yeah, Fig yeah. Fig seg. Yeah, well, it's up to you guys now. Yeah. Star Wars, that's the one with that Spock man with the pointy ears, right? <laughs> Careful. <laughs> the laser sword. You're the laser of, sword. You're thinking of Battlestar. Oh, Yes, that's it. No, I'm. Uh, I want that edited because I am a. Cylon. Heart. <laughs> I want Wasn't no Snoke. confusion. <laughs> Snoke was two she kids in a it. trench coat. We talked about this. Go on, boy. Did, did Are you those spoilers? No, I read the first three pages of this. <laughs> that's a theme today. <laughs> Star Wars: Forces of Destiny, Leia, and which is a series of Star Wars: Forces of Destiny books about women characters in the Star Wars universe, and they all seem to have all women creative teams, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, there's one for Leia that's out right now. There's going to be one for Rey and Hera, Ahsoka and Padme, and then Rose and Paige as well, which I'm very excited for because I like Rose a lot. And I like Paige a lot. Important because yeah. I do think that because this was a risk that there was maybe one of them I didn't order. Yeah. Um which one do you think it was? I ben, don't remember. <laughs> it was Jeff from three months ago who got really excited about this push. Better not have been my rose. Rose was not anyone's rose at that point. No one had seen the movie. I just got excited about female creators and female characters. Um, we'll reorder them. Yeah. So we, we, we thought it was worth mentioning because of that because that's a cool initiative to push. Um, also, this book, I only read the first few pages, and I wasn't like, Super grab, but it looked cool, and the art is very Darwin Cook esque. Looks like Darwin I Cook. Like. It looks like uh, that guy that did the Polar comics uh, that I keep buying and not reading, just because they look so awesome and they're kind of long. Um, looks like Infinite Loop too. Yeah, yeah, it does mm. have kind of an Infinite mm. Loop, but colored better, I think. Yeah, we sell a lot of Star Wars comics, but we <clears throat> sell a lot of Star Wars comics to uh, kids and parents who are buying books for their kids. Um, if any of that is your demographic, this book is perfect for that. It's yeah. it's designed to basically be an all-ages Star Wars book, and there are not a lot of those, and there are a lot of people asking for them. Yeah, with strong female leads. Yeah, yeah. and like, this, this is, is particularly rad. that. But Star Wars Adventures is an ongoing series that's just sort yeah. of ongoing Star Wars yeah. Adventures. Yeah. They seem like they're going to be cool characters who are someone that you can admire who happens to be a girl, yeah. and they happen to be female creative teams, but they're just good which is for me when i'm looking for something for my nieces or whatever it's like it's not because she's a girl that she's good it's, it's a just good a good book. character yeah. that happens to be female which is yeah. one of the great things about star wars it in doesn't general, look but, heavy-handed or yeah. manufactured which happens sometimes yeah. in our world in the world yeah, <laughs> yeah. well that's Com our world there, there's i think a lot <laughs> yeah. of good outlets for that in comics mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah. 
Uh, oh God, did you guys read Snagglepuss? Yeah, we read Snagglepuss. I'm not even touching whatever that segue would have been. Yeah, no, we don't. Listen. I, mean, I don't even, are those the ones that like people were riding on and they started bursting into flames? The Sejuis. Or was that the hoverboards? That was the, that was that phone. Oh, <laughs> iPhones? You heard it here uh, first, kids. You're thinking of Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> um, hey, Atlantis was fun. It's the universe I don't know any sucked. of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> so listen, this Snagglepuss comic, not only is it by Mark Russell, who we were a huge fan of the, the Flintstones comic he did. And has been on the podcast, and we have a special... That's true. I think issue... I think episode 25 maybe was his... He came into our shop and did yeah. an interview with us. He's a awesome. lovely man. Pretty yeah. cool dude. Yeah. I tried to get him... To come up for this Snagglepuss release, but he said he was busy, and maybe another time. But, I don't know if you guys noticed this. Uh, they used almost the same font for the Snagglepuss logo that they used for the Sandman Mystery Theater logo. All right, fine. You can cut that part <laughs> out. <laughs> I certainly didn't notice it. I don't know about that, Django. It's pretty close. I Googled it. <laughs> I Googled it while Braden was talking I about something. how many people something. know what font that looks like. I don't know. It's, it's a pretty common font, and it's not an exact match. But the S made me think, that's really familiar. Um, I, I like that with all the references and everything going on in this book, that's what you took the time to Google. Okay, so check this out. <laughs> this, this book is Snagglepuss. Snagglepuss. <laughs> from... Uh, the old cartoons, but he's been quote unquote reimagined as a gay Southern Gothic playwright. He's during... Tennessee Williams. Yeah, really. Yeah, he's he's Tennessee Williams uh, during the Red Scare. Um, in a world where I, I guess it's just cats and dogs. No, there's mice and people. And... Are there are there other I mean, animals? He's, he's a lion. So it's yeah, it's it's a world. Oh yeah, there's a hippo. It's a world where people are hanging out with. People-shaped, sized animals. Anthros. This is an issue. This is the type of book where I would like to approach the conversation knowing what everybody would give it in terms of a score. You want to start there? I, w- I would like to unless that feels not cool with people. But I, I would personally have given this a seven. I'm just curious in, in, in approaching conversation, where are we coming from? I would, I would start this with a seven. Um, but I would nudge it up to a seven and a half for a couple of very specific jokes. Okay. Um, yeah. Collect. Seven and a half. I would give it a nine. Okay. All right. Yeah, which Somebody really... knows her, her writer history. Yeah, I was really <laughs> curious to hear what you guys thought of this, and I'll let you guys go first, because as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, it's so-and-so. Oh, it's so-and-so. I wonder if they... Yeah. I wonder how many of the people picking up this book know who Lillian Hellman is, and... And <laughs> I felt about this book the way that I felt about Planet of the Apes Ursus, mm-hmm. which was I enjoyed it and didn't have real overt criticisms about it in any regard um, beyond, I think, that there was probably some basic stuff I could have done earlier in my life that would allow me to appreciate this information <laughs> more. And I would also say that Flintstones was awesome and won awards and was a perfect balance uh, between writer and artist, I think. And this, to me, was just a very serviceable artist. And there was more than one moment where I was disappointed by by it not being better art. And I just think that his writing is phenomenal, and 
uh, I appreciated all of his words in here, and I did understand there was references at times that I didn't get, but there was also humor and social context that there was just some speech balloons where I was just like, God, that's a great sentence, or that's a great, I, like, that's a great exchange of thought. And I love that. My, my big complaint was just that I think he's a really phenomenal writer, and the artist, like, it was just very middle of the road. That being said, I also think that I, I don't know enough about this world to have appreciated some of the nuances. I was also a little bit lost with some of the, well, honestly, a lot of the historical references and the, the writer references. Um, but a lot of the jokes really landed for me. Like the, like the people dressed up, the, the person and his wife, the cat, dressed up as dogs on stage, I thought mm. was just hilarious. He researches a lot. I'm, I'm Facebook friends with him and he's constantly quoting things for upcoming projects that, and, and it's always things that I don't quite, I, I don't relate to. Mm. Um, there, there's the panel right after the play where he gets in the car with his fake wife and uh, she says, they love you SP. And he says, oh, they don't even know me. You only know a man by the parts he doesn't, by seeing the parts he doesn't show you. That was you. my favorite moment. Like that, that line made me think in a way that you guys talk about thinking about comics. And I <laughs> like, I, that never happens to me. Uh, and then like just the next two panels are her leaving the car and him saying to the village to go to the gay bar. And I thought that that was a, like, those those panels right there said a whole lot about the story. Um, and then there's uh, the, the, the two jokes that just got me are both on the same page near the end um, where they they say uh, they're introducing the woman who's going to be like the main adversary for the series. Uh, she's part of the uh, like the McCarthy headhunters or whatever. And they they're talking about someone whose very name is synonymous with virtue and good taste. Gigi Allen. And if you guys don't know who Gigi Allen is, that's not funny. But Gigi Allen was like this loud, insane, punk rock performer who uh, would cut himself on stage, would take shits on stage, would eat hot dogs out of dudes' butts. Yeah, almost every single person that he comes across is a real historical figure, a real person from New York's social scene, art scene. Well, then maybe that's not a joke. Uh, it doesn't downgrade it to a seven for me, though. There's also the part where they're leading the guy to the electric chair, and the guard says, watch your step, which just seemed like yeah, you're about to die, but don't, we don't want you to stub your toe here. Be careful. What do you think, Braden? Um, I liked it a lot. I, I didn't uh, engage with the art as much uh, like Jeff did, I think, but... And I didn't know who nearly anyone was except for, like, Huckleberry Hound. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was very uh, very good storytelling, very clever storytelling, and very pertinent storytelling. Very, um, especially with uh, Snagglebus talking to his boyfriend at the gay bar about what he went through in Cuba. And how it's, you know, Snuggles is like, oh, we're in America, though. That can't happen here. And it's like, well, shit can happen anywhere mm-hmm. if people don't do anything about it. And it's, I thought it was very relevant to what's going on right now in America. And the twist at the end of them going to see this execution, I thought was 
pretty brutal, like, and I didn't see it coming at all. Yeah. And, oh, it, it hit me really hard. And, like, I read this just after Batman, which made me, like, felt pretty bleak, too. And I was just like, oof. Had to get some donuts after that. What about you, Colette? So, oh, man, I loved this book so much. I mean, you should probably have the backstory that this is not the like the common knowledge that most people have. This is like feeds that weird theater kid who grew up with an artist family who wanted me to know about all these people that are in this that have no bearing on anything else you could possibly need to know in life. And I also had a, uh, a strong obsession with Tennessee Williams when I was in high school. So I, I feel like this book was kind of written for me and I love you Mark Russell (laughs) um yeah the art it it did nothing for me but it also was fine enough that it didn't detract for me either yeah the art didn't bother me it it didn't seem it didn't seem subpar to me at all it it could have been better I just thought it was fine and I think that Mark Russell is is a much above fine yeah writer in my mind I just didn't pay attention to it which I would love to be stopping on the panels right. and paying attention to the art too. But like Flintstones, there was just like all these panels had in jokes that had nothing to do mm-hmm. with the writing, and you could just yeah. stop and like you were nourished by the environment. But there I think was... what Colette's saying is that this has that. Yeah, we just I, don't get it. I agree, but yeah. imagine if it weren't just by the writing. Yeah, yeah. There was so much in Flintstones, and I'm not sure how much of it was Mark Russell or the artist, but. Just all the like that setting of bedrock, so many punny names of mm-hmm. like businesses and like so much going on in the background there where this has to be like they're in fifties America, which is kind of just like you can't really do a whole lot of funny stuff going on in the background with that kind of thing. Well it I don't know, it's a lot more serious of a story though it is, too. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. you it's lightened up a bit because you've got a pink lion in the situations, <laughs> but you've got the story of a gay man being murdered by the police in Cuba and like yep. it's heavy. And I would Very say heavy. that uh Flintstones, one of the things that was great about that was that each issue was a weird mishmash of two things. And I think that that is great, and I think that as he's getting more uh skilled as a writer i think this is a zoom in of an entire series of one of those issues Mm -hmm. instead of trusting that each issue is going to be several different things this is um it's zooming in on one of those and i think inherently because that it's going to be a little slower and it's going to be a little more nuanced and it's not going to be on the surface jokes but it's actually an entire story taking place in one of those jokes and i i think that's awesome i i yeah i i i did enjoy it a lot i Mm -hmm. I did have uh, higher hopes for it than it delivered, um, but I did like it a lot. Yeah, I I feel like this is one of those books that I feel like I finally have a book that I can give to a whole group of people in my life that don't read comics mm-hmm. who want to know why I love it so much, and this will be the thing for them to be able to reach in and i mean there's just so much stuff i i'm really glad that it does that do yeah. we know is this the artist who did the several page backup when this was introduced months ago i think so there is subtlety within the art too that i mean it's not it's not that compelling but you've got things like I would just like peggy a- guggenheim is wearing a uh, elsa scaparelli outfit I would just Which is say, something what? she would have. <laughs> and, and that's cool. But like, I would just say from like a storytelling yeah. 
aspect like this on the final page, the second mm -hmm. panel is a fundamentally flawed panel. Like that looks like they're talking to this person and it totally corrupts the flow of the story in my mind. Like no, I, that, that was an instance to me where we were jumping, like he was there, he wasn't there, we changed scenes. And then all of a sudden you're reading about sideways. All of this, well no, it's just all of a sudden we have people talking about which Snanglepuss, and then he's he's right the here. The one where he's in the poster, and but I the had to like bubbles kind of cover. Read it to be like he's right there. Oh no, that's a poster. Like there, there was just some, there were some aspects where, like in terms of panel to panel storytelling, uh, I had to reread it. Or yeah, I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen this other artist's work, but it, I don't know. My immediate response was it doesn't seem like they have done a ton of work. Yeah, I didn't have the flow trouble with it. But I think I also was more enveloped in the story yeah. Yeah, because sure. of all the oh, yeah. the I depth mean, going on in I there. I sort of viewing it yeah, as yeah. a combination of writing and storytelling. Yeah, and the bit with the couple that have the hottest tickets in town and it turns mm -hmm. out to be to the Rosenbergs' mm -hmm. execution was <laughs> gorgeous. And, yeah. the, and seeing Stonewall you know, like 15 years, 17 years before the riots, I thought was a cool touch. And uh, Stonewall's the, the gay bar in the village that is the... Okay. Um, it was originally a speakeasy, and it became one of the few uh, strong gay bars when it was illegal to uh, wear the opposite sex clothing or okay. to be with someone of the same sex as you and so it's uh it's in Greenwich Village it's still there it's one of like the most historically significant um locations for the American gay community so there's a shot in there of the bartender bear um maybe paying off the paying horse off cop. A cop yeah so they had raids regularly and you would get a cop that would like give them a tip off okay. when it was going to be so that they could make sure that it wasn't okay, I anybody who could... It wasn't clear which way the money was going, I guess. Yeah, it took me a, a couple tries to realize that the horse was taking the money, the cop. Yeah. but <laughs> He's more than yeah, just a horse. I actually read yeah, that more, as much the, the horse cop. presenting the money. That's what I thought. Cause yeah. it look, cause the way, it, I think it's partially just because he has a hoof for a hand that it looks like he's pushing it, but the money is like mm -hmm. on the counter there already, I think. So yeah, this I, is a different was... artist. Then the the I thought so yeah. because the, the that four six page thing had a very different tone. It was to Howard me. Porter who did yeah, it. Yeah, and that's who's a, who's that a explains it. Very accomplished artist. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, does anybody want to change their number? What did I give it? Seven point five. I give it an eight now. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my seven and a half uh, until I do whatever research is required to bring it up to a nine. Because anybody who wants to sit and be. have me go through this with them and and give them a little little rundown about who uh, some of these wonderful people are, I'd be happy. Cool. My God, we oh God just have been visited by the ghost of Christmas yet to come. At the perfect Angel time, has just walked we into are the room. literally signing off this podcast, and Roman oh. has walked in with a plate of treats. Oh, so long, everybody. Hey, wait, wait, what did you give? Give Snagglepuss a number. A number? Shout it! Shout it loud. Nine point three. Whoa. Whoa! All right. Well, I'm Jeff, and I will spend the next five minutes learning about that. <laughs> I'm Django, and. Uh, 
It's Braden's turn. I'm Braden, and boy, that was pretty weak, Django. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Colette, and I'm glad my my two worlds have co- coincided in one comic book finally. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Hooray. Right.